0: Father God, we love you, we praise, you. we glorify you today in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word, we thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use the word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Fathers, we've been brought to this place, Lord, we pray that you would speak directly to our hearts. God, that we would not leave here the same way that we came. God, I've read these scriptures many times as many people have, and so Lord, would you make this new and fresh to us? God, don't let us check out. Don't let us think about something else. Don't think we've heard this before. Let it be new and fresh. Let it speak directly to our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, starting verse 7 through 12. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then be an evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven good, get, give good things to those who ask Him? therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. The key verse we're going to kind of camp around today is verse 11. It says, if you then be an evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more... Will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? How much more? That's the title of the message today. And the reason why I titled that is because how much more is what the heart of God is? He's not a somewhat God. He's not a, I maybe will God. He is a, I will do it. You can count on it. I'm better than you even know type of God. He can, he will, he wants to. How much more will your father in heaven? And so if that's the nature and character of God, then we look at our own lives and we look at the scripture and we say, well, then how much more should we stay dependent on God? How much more should we stay dependent on God? It says, ask and it will be given unto you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks, it will be opened. See, in this sermon, Jesus is getting to the end of the sermon on the Mount, and he's using this time once again. To encourage people to become people of prayer. This is what Jesus designed for his disciples. and it's designed for us. And the point that Jesus is making and that he has made through this sermon is that we are supposed to be people that are completely dependent on God for everything that we want. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally. Any and all wants that we may need or want to have should flow through the hands of Jesus. And so Jesus says, ask and it will be given unto you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened unto you. Jesus also said in Matthew 21, 22, and whatever things you ask for in prayer, believing you will receive because Jesus wants to train his disciples and in turn train us that we should be completely and totally dependent on God for everything and anything that we want in our lives. Individualism self-reliance and self-aggrandizing is not the ethos of the kingdom. It's not. Let me say that again. The ethos of the kingdom, the idea of the kingdom is not individualism, self-reliance, and self-aggrandizing. The ethos of the kingdom is dependence on God. You did not save yourself. You did not forgive yourself. You do not praise yourself and you do not accomplish your own goals outside of the help of God's sovereign hand. You don't. This Christian life is a life of submission and it's a life of dependence. It's a place where we go to God and we say, God, you have it all. You know it all. And I don't have anything outside of my relationship with you. And so I'm going to submit to your Lordship. The Bible says in Psalm 10 4, that the wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. Do do you see what it says? It says, wicked people are proud and do not seek God. So the Bible says, if you're not seeking God, you are wicked and you are proud. God is in none of his thoughts. And I get it. I get it, man. I was born and raised in America and America is a buy your bootstraps, make it happen. I'm going to climb the hill. I'm going to do anything that it takes to be able to make it happen. And that's the ethos of America. That's why America does great things. But that ain't the ethos of the kingdom, man that's not what it is. When you do it by yourself, God gets no glory. When you do it without going before God, God gets no praise. And so what God is trying to do to all of us is that we would live our lives in such a way that God would be able to get glory from what we're done doing because we've gone to him and letting him do it through us, not on our own. Now, there's a balance here. I I, I know. I mean, people people will say like, oh, man, it's hear a sermon saying, man, it's supposed to be all God. And then you don't want to do anything and say, well, you know, I'm not going to do anything. And so there's a balance. The Bible says, if a man will not work, he will not eat. And so you got to put your hand to the plow. You got to do something. But it also says that we can't trust in our own flesh. That's what it says. Jeremiah chapter 17. Let me read this to you. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses five through nine, it says, "'Thus says the Lord, "'Cursed is the man who trusts in man "'and makes flesh his strength, "'whose heart departs from the Lord. "'For he shall be like a shrub in the desert "'and shall not see when good comes, "'but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness "'in a salt land which is not inhabited. "'Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord "'and whose hope is in the Lord, "'for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters.'" which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Do you see the word picture from Jeremiah? He says, somebody that chooses to trust in themselves is like a plant out in the middle of the desert. And, and, and I don't, I mean, I, I, don't, I shouldn't have to explain to you what that means. A plant out in the middle of the desert is not doing well. At the best, it hopes for rain every once in a while. It's just holding on. And then when that rain comes, it's just enough to keep that plant alive so it doesn't die. But it never flourishes. It just sits out there. And so uh, the the word of the Lord through Jeremiah was like, this is what somebody is like who trusts in their own flesh. This is what somebody is like who trusts themselves. Now, conversely, somebody that trusts in God, man, it's like a tree by a river. The the roots go down deep and it produces really good fruit. It's so powerful and it's so strong depending on God that when the heat comes, it goes, I got this because I'm not trusting in my own strength. I'm trusting in God. I'm by the river. The river is what sustains me. So whatever heat comes my way, I'm not even going to worry about it because I know that God is the one that is sustaining me. Depend on yourself, tree in the desert. Depend on God, tree by river. Which one do you want to be? I mean, I don't want to be a tree, but if I had to be a tree, I'd want to be a tree by a river, right? I don't want to be out in the desert talking about like, man, if it would just rain once, I could live another year. No way. I'm going to live by a river. That's where I want to live. Self-accomplishment and glory gives God no glory, which is the point of our lives. Your whole life is supposed to be about giving God glory. It's not about you. It's not about what you can do or what you've done or what you're able to accomplish. It's whatever you have is supposed to just, all of a sudden be like, look at God. Look at what God has done. Look what God is able to accomplish. Because the point is, you give God glory and then other people come around and be like, man, I want to know this God. I want to be safe from my sins. I want to give him glory. This is a very important distinction to understand in the Christian life. Now, many of you know that my wife and I Uh, My wife and I used to have a dog, a ranger, best dog that ever lived. And um, I know last week I was banging on dogs and I got some Facebook flack because of it. (laughs) I love dogs. I just don't worship them or treat them as humans. They're dogs. But ranger was the best dog ever. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I could get a picture from Holly today, a picture of Moose going, you said ranger best dog ever. (laughs) but he was, he was the best dog ever. Uh, consequently, we're thinking about getting another dog later this year. Someone came up to me after first service, tried to give me a dog. And I said, later this year, and we have a, a breed we're looking for. So um, anyway, thing I love about Ranger, and if you've ever had a dog or been around a dog or ever seen one on TV before, dogs are, dogs are a special. They're, 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 uh, they're different than cats. Cats are a whole nother thing. Um, <laughs> No, we, we had, we had ranger, you know, ranger, I would get up, I would get up in the morning and ranger would be like, right here, man, what are we doing? And I, and then you just start walking out, you go to the kitchen. And he's just like right by your knee, right? He's like, we're in the kitchen, we're in the kitchen. This is what we're doing. What are we doing in the kitchen? We're making coffee. We eat. What are we doing? Follow me everywhere I go. Get my coffee, go down and sit at the thing. And he's like, are we sitting down? Or are we, what are we doing here? If we're going, are we going down? Okay. And then he like lays down and he's like kind of looking at me with one eye. If I move a little bit in my chair, he's like, are we getting up? <laughs> oh, we're not getting up. All right, we'll just stay here. Then we get up. He's like getting dressed. We going for a walk? We going for a run? What are we doing? Where are we going? Are we, are we going out? Are we staying in? Are we going outside? Is breakfast time? No breakfast time. Okay, no breakfast time. I'm with you. But we're going back upstairs. We're going back downstairs. Everywhere we go, that's where he goes. It's a funny story, right? But the story is not about ranger. The story is about you being dependent on God. Amen. You know, I say, say in illustrations like that because that, honestly, that should be our, our way that we are with God. God, what are we doing today? Where is this? Is this where I'm at? Is this where I'm supposed to? I want to stay in your will. I'm going to do it. I want I want to do whatever it is that you want me to do, God. I'm not going to go anywhere else. It's, are we eating? We're eating, we're not. We're not. We stay. We stay. We sleep. We're gone. That's what we're going to do. Some of y'all are disobedient dogs jumping over the fence, going around the neighborhood, saying, "This is my life, dude." That's not what God intended at all. God intended us to be obedient dogs. Dogs spelled backward is God, right? Maybe he's trying to teach you something. Be obedient. Be obedient to God. When's the last time you prayed and asked God about something you could do? When's the last time you prayed about something and asked God if you could do it? And really listened and said, God, is this what you have for me? Is this like... You know, did I I take this job without talking to God? Did I go into this relationship without talking to God? Did I make this consumer purchase? Did I buy a house or buy a car or change jobs or move to another city? And I I didn't think about it. I didn't even pray to God. I didn't even ask, God, what is your will? Because if my life is in your hands, I'm going to do what you want. I'm going to live completely dependent on you. If you're a how much more God, then how much more should I stay dependent on you? We must abide. We must rest in him. We must rest in his power and his purpose. And he will do it if we ask. It says in John fifteen seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now, some people have taken the scripture a place it shouldn't be and, and, and think that it means whatever I ask God to give me, he has to do it. And if I don't get it, it's because I'm not having enough faith, or I'm not praying right, or I'm not remembering the right scriptures. Like it's some cosmic spell that if I just do it the right way, then God is forced to move. That's not it at all. The decision and the outcome of all prayers are always in God's hands. Our job is to go before him and say, God, what is it that I can do? God, what is it that I should do? God, can I have this? Am I allowed to have this? And then God in his sovereign hand either says yes, no, or wait. Now, excuse me. I want to make it clear when I'm talking about these things that we're asking from God is that there's some things that are immediate, like right now answers kind of things. And one of those things is forgiveness, if you are in sin, you're a sinner, or there's something that's wrong in your life, and you've committed sin against God, and you ask for forgiveness, forgiveness is always assured right away. Yeah. And, and so please don't take this part about asking, seeking, and knocking, or, or how much more to think like, okay, well then I must not be forgiven, because I've got to just keep asking God. I've got just got to keep doing... No, that's not the case at all. Psalm 86 5 says, for you, Lord, are good... And ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all who call upon you. That's from the Old Testament. That's the nature and character of God. He's a forgiving, loving, merciful God. And so please understand that if, if there's a sin in your life that you need forgiveness from, or you need forgiveness from Jesus, he's a right now forgive it every single time kind of God. Don't lay there in bed and think, am I forgiven? Have I, have I been forgiven? No, you are forgiven. If you asked and you believed, you are forgiven and you don't have to worry about it at all. First John one nine says, if we've our sins, he is faithful and just, forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so just believe that if you're praying and asking for forgiveness, you are forgiven. The other part is, is that when you pray to God, you've got to understand that God is always hearing you every single time. Don't wonder and say like, man, God must be holding back from me or he's not listening to me. No, that's not at all. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 12 and 13, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so please, when we're asking about um, uh, praying, seeking, knocking and, and, and assurance, the, the, the idea of forgiveness and connection with god is always immediate and it's always there He always answers every single time what we're talking about is the other stuff Am I going to get this job? Am I going to be able to pay this bill? Am I going to be able to uh, get through this problem that I'm having? Am I getting through this relationship issue? Am I going to get healed? Am I going to get this promotion? Like all those other things that we go to God and we say, God, when is this going to happen? When When is this thing going to happen in my life? And that's where God's sovereignty comes into play, where it's his decision, It's his decision on whether or not he wants you to do that. It's his decision on whether or not he wants you to have that. How many of you would say and agree that there have been times when God was very good to you by not giving you what you had asked for? And at the time you were frustrated and you're like, dang it, why didn't you give me this? And then later on, five years, 10 years down the road, you're like, you know what God, now I know what you were doing, but you ain't smart enough to figure it out. But you can be smart enough to trust God in the midst of it. And with people around you and say, man, how come this thing? I don't know, man, but I know that God is sovereign. I may not understand it, but God is going to eventually let me know and understand. Do not get discouraged. It says in John 16, uh, 23 through 24, and in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Just keep asking God. You got to wait anyway. You might as well wait while asking God, go to him every single day and say, God, this still hasn't happened. I still haven't seen this come to pass, but I want my joy to be full. I'm going to stay dependent on you. And I know that's the only way I'm going to get through this during the waiting. And so I'm just going to keep asking and knocking and seeking. I'm going to stay dependent on you. How much more should we expect the best from God though? That's what the scripture says in verse nine. It says, or what man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, he will give him a serpent. If you then be an evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him. Jesus is actually pretty funny. <laughs> he really is. Because if you think of the picture, it's, it's kind of funny, right? And my son comes to me and goes, dad, can I have some bread? And I go, sure, son, here's a rock make a sandwich. It's funny, right? He said, son, he said, dad, can I have some fish? Sure, son. Here's a snake. Ha ha ha. It's kind of funny. And Jesus makes a picture. He said, you know what? You guys are all evil. And I know that if your son asked for bread, you wouldn't give him a rock. And if he asked for fish, you wouldn't give him a serpent. You give him, you give him good things because you want to bless your children. And he uses that word picture and says, "If that's how you are, how much more is your Father in heaven?" He uses us, the example says yeah. and, and you know what's funny? Even the worst people still love their kids. Amen. The worst people still want the best things for their kids. And so Jesus uses that example and says, "You want? How much more does your Father in heaven want good things for you?" Now this scripture has a cousin in the scriptures in Luke 11:13, and Luke says, "How much more does he give the Holy Spirit?" I did some research because that kind of seems like a contradiction. It seems like okay, Luke says Holy Spirit, Matthew says good gifts, and then <clears throat> you dig into the scriptures and the earliest source documents, and what you find out is that the 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 truest translation is is how much in both the Holy Spirit one and the good things one is really how much more will He give him a good spirit to those who ask Him. And, and the word picture of that is really this idea that if you're going and you're, ask, you're asking, seeking, knocking to God, and then you want good things from God, uh, how much more should we expect great things from God? That even in our waiting and our wondering, if we're going before God, knowing that he's going to do good things to us, he's going to give us a good spirit about it while we're waiting for it to happen. Does that make sense? So if we're dependent on him and we're asking, seeking, knocking, and God's nature and character is to give good gifts, bread and fish. And if we have to wait, how much more will God give us a good spirit as we're waiting for God to do things? The truth is God will forgive. He will award. He will fulfill. But as you wait and as you walk through it, you can be assured that God will give you a good spirit about it and a good disposition about it if... You are staying dependent on him through it. But what happens is most of the time people ask God once and then they just go on for the next weeks or months and forget to tarry before the Lord. And then they get upset about it because they forgot and God doesn't give them a good spirit about it because they're not dependent on God. They forgot that God is good and they forgot that God is gonna do it and they forgot that God's timeline isn't their timeline at all. What do we say? We say God is good. All the time. And all the time? yeah, and the way you keep that in your spirit is you stay dependent on him. You, you, you expect how much more should we expect great things from God? Watch this. In Psalm 10:17 it says, Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble, right? Cause he always hears us, but watch this. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear how many, how many times have you seen God not give you something that you needed or wanted because God had to prepare your heart to receive that, which you were going to get. I tell you, man, if God gave us everything that we want and we asked for it, we would not be good people Amen. at all. And sometimes, oh, it's so painful. Isn't it painful to have to wait and have the patience? But then God prepares your heart for it, even if it's something good, because sometimes if you get something good too fast, you can be prideful about it. Right. Instead of just like finally when it shows up, you're like, gosh, I've been waiting so long. I don't even care about it anymore. <laughs> yeah. But God prepared my heart to receive it as a blessing so that I wouldn't lord it over other people. Many times we pray and then we look back and realize that God was preparing our hearts as we were waiting. He was doing something in our hearts as we were waiting or watching for our prayer to be answered. Psalm 50 verse 15 says, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. This is what the Lord showed me in the scripture and this distinction is so important. Watch this. I'm going to explain it a couple times because you won't get it the first time because I didn't. Deliverance is is not always getting what we want. We we think of, you hear the word deliverance and you think, well, something gets delivered, right? Uh, Something comes in the mail or I get a package. Deliverance is taking you from here to there. I don't have this. I need this. So now I've been delivered from this. I have this. I need it removed. And so now I'm over here. So now I've been delivered from this. But but the idea of deliverance outside of the actual tangible reception of it and having deliverance being a, a sense of a heart change, and deliverance being a sense of God preparing my hearts and changing the way in which I think about it is in and of itself a deliverance from that which you're going through. Does that make sense? He will deliver me from this Not not that I won't have to go through it Or not that I'm not going to have to experience it Or not that I'm not going to have to wait But God is a deliverer He's going to change my heart He's going to prepare my heart He's going to make it possible for me to walk through the fire And other people say, how is it possible? You haven't even seen the fruition You haven't seen this thing fixed God delivered me from this God delivered me I'm walking through it and He's changed my heart So I know I'm going to be able to get through these things because I'm depending on Him, and I know He has my best interests. Right. Friend, there's been many prayers that God has not given me what I deserved or what I desired. He gave what I deserved, <laughs> but He did give me a good spirit about it, and that I believe that God was good. He has no He has no desire to give you a serpent or a stone at all, none at all. Expect, expect bread and fish. That's the heart of God he's a good God that does good things. The Bible says in Psalm 145, the Lord is near to all who call upon him and to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will hear their cry and save them. Mark 11:24 says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. John 14, 13, 14 says, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, I'm going to take God at his word. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read his word and I'm going to believe it. I'm going to put my faith in God because his word said it. And I know that there are people that are here, even as you're hearing this message, that immediately as I say these scriptures that come from God's holy word about God giving, delivering, answering any prayer that you may have, you'll say in your heart towards me incredulously and towards God by disposition. Well, God did not answer my prayer. Yeah, dude, me too. Yeah, God's, God's not answered many of my prayers But I love Jesus enough and I trust him enough that I'm not going to be so sour that I'm not going to believe what God's word says just because he didn't answer my prayer. I'm not going to go to God's word and say, well, in my life that didn't happen. So that can't be true. Can we move past this idea that your lived experience and somehow trumps what God's word says? people aren't following you you don't don't get to go to somebody and say well you know that's what God's word." but I'll tell you in my life I hadn't seen that happen and we went over it what's going to happen is you say that in your heart or in your mouth and five ten years later God fixes it and God delivers you and God makes it good but you're all eh about it the whole entire time and make God look bad and said bad things God delivers it and you've ruined his image all the way along instead of just waiting and saying I'm going to keep my mouth shut because God is good all the time and if he hasn't made it happen yet he will make it happen and I know your lived experience does not trump the word of God you don't know what I didn't get pastor you don't know what I didn't get you you think for so oh, well if I had your life no you don't want my life man don't don't live this thing of looking through God's word through the lens of my life or your life look at God's word for what it says You don't know my pain or my sadness or my unfulfilled desires and unanswered prayers. But for me, I've never changed what God's word said based on my own experience. There's not a scripture that says, unless you saw something different in your life. Nowhere does it say that God's word is true. And let every man be proved a liar. That's what it says. He says, my word will not return to me void. I'm going to die believing in God's word. That's how I'm going to live my life. There's more asking, receiving scriptures, but there's literally dozens in the Bible. First John 3, And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. First John 5, 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever he asks, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. And I believe that. Man, I believe it. I, I've literally been at the foot of people's beds and watched them die and prayed and said, Lord, please let them not die. God, please heal this person. And then they died. And people say, well, I don't want you praying for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to change what God's word says. Just If you say, man, pastor, I need a healing. Will you pray for me? I like, don't oh, know. I pray for people and they die. Like, I'm, I'm not doing that. I don't know what God was doing. I don't know if that person wanted to die. I don't know if they wanted to go to heaven. I don't know if Jesus, I mean, the, the Bible says it is appointed for man to die once. And after that comes the judgment. That's what the word of God says. God decides when and how and when and where we go. And maybe we're fighting God on it. God says, you know what? This is their time and it's time for them to go. But we're praying and believing as the word says. And God says, no, but I'm not going to change what I'm going to do. Because God says, pray for the sick and they will get well. That's what it says. My lived experience is i prayed for people that have died, but I'm not going to stop doing it because I've also prayed for people that have gotten well. I prayed for people that had brain tumors that disappeared, and I prayed for people that had body pains that stopped and cancers that went away. Like That's been my lived experience. But it's also been my lived experience that I prayed for people that died. But it doesn't matter what I've experienced. What matters is what God's Word says. Here's my recommendation. Just take God at His Word and quit arguing with Him about it, man. Quit, quit thinking that somehow God is only real if you memorize the whole Bible and can argue with people about it. I, get, I, I hate that notion where people are like, well, where does it say that? In the Bible. Where? Somewhere in there. I don't remember where. I got Google. I don't need to remember every address. Well, if you can't remember it, it must not be true. Dude, I, and I kid you not, I don't even know my own wife's phone number. Why? Because she got a new one and I put it in my phone and I never dial it. If, I, if I'm in jail, I'm calling Jay. I know his number. I don't know Crystal's. I don't know my kids' phone numbers or whatever. And people are like, and you can't remember all these scriptures? I'm like, no. I know it says that he's good. I know it says that he forgives. I know it says that he wants good for me and not evil. I know he loves me. Where does it say that? In there, man. I know It, it says it in there because I read it. Stop thinking your inability to understand or explain it makes it less true. Your experience is not what makes God God's words true. What God says is what makes it true. How much more should we expect from God if he is a God that is how much more? Thirdly, how much more should we treat people how we want to be treated? If God, if God says, how much more does your father in heaven give good gifts to those who seek him? And then Jesus follows it up with the scripture that says, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them for this is the law and the prophets. It's right after he talked about how good God is and how God wants to give much more to other people. And so he ends it and says, so therefore, why don't you be nice to people? Why don't you treat other people how you want to be treated? This is everything. This is the law and the prophets. This is where we get the golden rule, right? The golden rule is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And this is not a new concept. Jesus didn't invent this. God invented this in Leviticus nineteen eighteen, 18. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. The mindset of the follower of Yahweh is one who thinks about how his actions affect those around him. Let me say it simply, because some of you didn't amen me on that one. The follower of Yahweh, the God of the Bible, is one who thinks about how their actions affect those around him. No man is an island to himself. He must consider how what they do affects other people. This is groundbreaking stuff, folks. If you want people to treat you good, treat other people good, and it's not one; it's every, everybody, everybody. When you're at a store, when you're at work, when you're with your spouse, when you're with your friends, when you're at church, you treat people how you want to be treated, and and so you're nice. Be nice. This is groundbreaking stuff, folks. I always tell people I'm not a very good preacher. I say very, very simple things very emphatically. Be nice, yes. right? I mean, it's like when you say it like that, it sounds like something's happening, right? It's like if I said to you, I went to the store, I bought some chicken. <laughs> Crispy in the cart. It was so good like, man, I want some of that chicken. If I'm like, be nice. But if I'm like, be nice in Jesus name. Very simple things, very emphatically. But you guys laugh, but many of you don't apply this in your life. You're selective in who you're nice to. You choose who you're going to be nice to. You think that, oh, well, I don't have to be nice to this checkout person or this waiter or this way, wait- Please and thank you go a long way. Smiles go a long way. This world was not created to cater to you. Just be nice to people, man. Colossians 3, 14, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Mark 12, 31, and the second, like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, there's no other commandment greater than these. There's no commandment greater than loving somebody. Jesus says, he says, you want, this is the greatest commandment is to love. Now I must say, and you'll let me step aside onto my soapbox for a minute here, because whenever I talk about love, people start getting ideas in their head. So I just want to make sure that it's clear because this is a peeve of mine. That love of loving your neighbor as yourself is a definition of what the bible says love is And it's not some sloppy agape approve of your sin and do nothing to hurt you type of love Okay, I can love you and tell you the truth I can love you and not give you what you think that you need that that is just as loving This this idea of love is in our disposition It's in our actions. It's in our hearts. It's where where are we coming from? But but you can make loving decisions that other people would say are hurtful because to them on the surface it appears as if it's unloving, but it's biblical love. It's, it's a love that God designed for us to have. Now, Ephesians, let me give you an example. So you know someone that's got an addiction problem, whatever, okay? And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you. Now here's the, here's the application. The application is you've got a brother in sin and uh, God says, be tenderhearted towards other people, forgiving other people as Christ and as Jesus forgave you. And so you go to that person and you don't go with a mean spirited heart. You go with a sense of humble brokenness and you say, bro, sis, man, you are a drunkard. And the Bible says, according Galatians chapter 5 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6, that people that are drunkards are going to go to hell. And you say that you're a Christian and you say you want to serve God, but I'm watching you and you're drinking yourself to hell. I love you, please. That's love. It's not love to just sit back and watch a drunkard drink themselves to hell. That's not loving at all. It's loving to confront them with a tender-hearted, forgiving kindness. First Peter three, says, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tender hearted, be courteous, have compassion on that brother or sister. Think about when you were addicted or if you were, uh, were addicted, what would you want to be treated like? And give them grace and mercy and love, but don't withhold a truth that could cause them eternity. Yeah, right. That's not loving. So when we talk about treating others as we want to be treated, we want to know the truth. We want to make heaven. We just want people to do it in a tender-hearted, loving manner. Amen? Amen. That's how I want to be treated. And we touched on this last week, but these are truths that you cannot tire of hearing at all. We've got to treat sinners and friends and family all with grace, love, and mercy. Romans 12:10 says be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another and friend this is in how you talk to people I'm talking to you okay we tell people this all the time right place right time right attitude right tone right place right time right attitude right tone this is great this is going to transform your relationships how you talk to people is vitally important in every relationship that you have. And you can hold it together for eight hours at work because you got a job and you need that paycheck. And then all of a sudden you're like, bag my groceries. This ice cream's too cold. I don't want this ice cream. Come on, man. That was funny. You know? but it's a bad attitude. It's the way in like, see, is your speech seasoned with salt? Are you talking to people in the right way? Because here, here's the truth, man. Anyone can take jabs at someone. We all have things that we could say about someone. And, I, and I'll tell you as a person, I hate being picked on. I hate it. Like with a passion, like a deep guttural in my stomach passion. I hate being picked on. And that's why I don't do it. I don't do it to other people. I don't do it at all. And and guys are the worst about this. I don't know why. They they just think they're being funny. But it's not funny. It's not. It's just not. Like guys, you get around guys and all of a sudden a guy walks into the group and then the guys feel like I've got to immediately say something to take it off of myself and make this guy look bad. Now, I've grown a lot in this area. I I don't respond how I used to when I was in college and I know I was saved. When guys would say something to me that they're picking on me, I just right in their sternum really fast. And I'd be like, ha ha ha, it's really funny, isn't it? why are you hurting me? I'm like, why well, you want to hurt me? Let's play the hurt game. Let's go. <laughs> they say something mean to me. I'm like, ha ah, it must be funny because of the way your ears are. Never going to change those ears, are they? Well, I was just being funny. Yeah, dude, I was being real funny too about your nose. <laughs> That's good. Hey, we're playing the game, man. Yeah. Let's talk about your absent father. Isn't that really funny? Ha ha ha. Yeah, it hurts, doesn't it? Right? But that's what picking on is. It's just like this chop, 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 chop. And people think like, oh man, it's just funny. I was just, you know, I was just saying this thing, man. Treat others how you want to be treated. Because I guarantee you that you don't want to be treated that way. You don't want people to come up and tell, talk about your worst stuff and talk about your bad stuff and talk about your past, thinking that it's funny or thinking that it's going to make other people feel good. It's just not, man. First Peter two seventeen says, honor all people. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the King. And this is how you deal with people. You have to watch how you deal with people, how you talk when you're in conversations, how you treat your family or your kids or your spouse or people at work. Like uh, treating people the way that you want to be treated. Like if you have a fun, say this, like if you have a funny story, and honestly, some people's stories are just not that funny, but they were trying to tell a story that was funny to just laugh. Let them be the funny person. Don't be the one upper that's like, that's not funny. This is funny. And now I'm going to, you know what I'm saying? Somebody's like, I rode a bike for a mile. Like that ain't nothing. I rode a bike for two miles. Look at me. Right. That's not how you want to be treated. You want your moment to be funny. that will be funny. Like, if, if you're in a place where you can make money off of people, don't make an obscene amount of money off of somebody. You want, some, you want the deal. Why do you not give somebody else the deal? Why, why is it when we're getting a service, we want the best price, but if we're given the service, we want to make the most money? It's not godly. It's not treat others how you want to be treated. It's what the Bible says. Do you withhold information and in relationships that benefit you? This is for somebody withholding information that you know is going to help the relationship because you want to help yourself. That's not the way that you want to be treated. The Bible says in first Corinthians 13, 13, and now abide faith, hope, love, and these three, but the greatest of these is love. And you've got to love people enough to deal with them nicely. Wait, staff, workers, anyone just be nice. Don't, don't be the person that's always trying to get someone fired. Don't be the, I need to talk to the manager. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. Dude, y'all all should have been talking to the manager about what I've been doing around here. You know what I'm saying? You know what he said to us? <laughs> How he made us feel. Don't do that, man. Just go buy your curly fries somewhere else. Just be like, you know what, man? I'm not buying buy the curly fries there anymore. Just let it be what it is. Why does someone got to get fired because you didn't like your meal? Who cares, man? Just go eat somewhere else. Why why do you have to be, don't be that person. That's, we all have bad days. If someone gets in trouble, like you don't need to be the one that fans the fame flames. You don't have to make life bad for someone. Don't hold grudges. Why do you hold a grudge on someone? You want someone to hold a grudge on you? Why are you acting on vendettas? You turn in, turning somebody against somebody else. Like don't do that. That's not how you want to be treated. Do You want people to gossip about you. do you want people to know the worst things that you've ever done. Why do we do this? It's not what Jesus intended. How much more your father in heaven know how to give good gifts followed up, with, therefore treat others how you want to be treated. If God is generous and God is giving and God is loving and God is bread and fish and not stones and serpents, how much more should we give other people bread and fish? How much more should we not give them stones and serpents? How much more can we emulate who God is? First John 4, 19 says we love him because he first loved us. And in turn, we love other people. That's why we love other people. It's because God, in spite of our brokenness and our nastiness and our no-goodness, God still chose to love us. And so we look at other broken people and we say, "You know what? I'm going to love you anyway because of God's love. I'm going to forgive you anyway because of God's forgiveness. I'm going to give you mercy because of God's forgiveness." Yes. Last scripture: First Thessalonians 5:11. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you are also doing. Treat others how you want to be treated how much more, how much more should we live dependent on God? A lot. Depend on Him for everything. Amen? We need to live. uh, How how much more should we expect great things from God? If if He's going to be a great God, how much more should we expect great things from Him? And lastly, how much more should we treat people how we want to be treated? If if God's going to treat us so good, man, we should treat people really good, man. We should just take care of people. We should just love people. We should be the most generous person in the room. Because that's who God is, since we want to be like him. Amen? Yes. Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you're here this morning, and you're not a Christian, I want to invite you to become one. It's really quite easy either you're a Christian or you are not. Either you're giving your life to Jesus or you haven't. The Bible says is that you are under the wrath of God if you have not turned to him in faith. The Bible says you're not going to go spend eternity in heaven. That's what it says. And the path of salvation is quite simple. You go to God and you say, would you forgive me of all the bad stuff I've ever done? Jesus says, yes. And all he wants you to do is live for him. You don't go back to doing those things. You say, I'm not doing those things. Now I'm living for Jesus because he forgave me, because he set me free. And because I want to spend eternity with him. If you've never made that decision before to become a Christian and you'd like to do that today, we'd like to pray with you. Is there anybody that needs to make that decision for the first time? You can raise your hand. We'll pray for you this morning. Now, maybe you've just been far from God. Maybe you prayed that that prayer before you like, Pastor. And I know exactly what salvation is because I experienced it before. I've been so far from him. I don't know how I ended up in this place, but I am. Jesus came back today I don't think I would go based on how I've been living the last few years but today I want to come back to Jesus today I want to live that Christian life that I know I was supposed to be living if you, if you need to rededicate your life to Jesus today if you want to come back into his arms would you raise your hand this morning we can pray for you as well is there anybody that needs to make that declaration this morning? thank you now for the rest of us let's apply the sermon to our hearts how much more should we depend on him? How much more should we expect great things from him? How much more should we treat other people nice? Father, we pray that we, we would live in complete dependence on you, God. That we would not do anything outside of your will. That we would stay completely dependent on you for everything. And God, we're going to expect that you're going to do good things in your timeline. And if they don't happen we want them to, God, we're still going to believe that you're good. We're still going to trust you. God, help us to just treat people nice. <laughs> just be nice to people. God, because you're so nice to us. And so we want to treat other people nice. Praise me. Thank you. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and stand with Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.